0: That's me on the podcast Sharing a song With something to say about it Within Lear and Liagra Moon losing my opinion
1: So Thomas, we had a little bit of backlash from the last episode. I think most people agreed with me that uh, you should not be working out to really any song from All Things Must Pass, but for sure not "My Sweet Lord," which is just an absolutely bizarre song to be getting your your, your blood up to. We have a guest today that we're going to introduce in a second, and I really would like to hear <laughs> her thoughts about this because uh, it was it sort of alarmed me. And I'm I, you know I go to bat for George Harrison all day, but that was a shocking. A shocking one.
0: Right song, wrong time is what you're saying?
1: <laughs> yeah, maybe. Well, they're all wrong.
0: I'm going to keep uh, working out till all things must pass. Come on, Wawa? They didn't even go for Wawa? It's got some good energy. That is <laughs>
2: certainly a choice. <laughs> anyway. It's a choice.
0: <laughs> I was going to ask you, Lear, if we've uh, mm-hmm. stumbled into a time machine somehow, because uh, based on uh, one of our guests in the Zoom chat, I feel like I'm back in 1969. 1970.
1: I I always feel sort of underdressed and uh, unprofessional. And today, our guest is really making me feel doubly, doubly that, doubly those things. So I hope you're happy, our guest I'm sorry, that we I didn't haven't introduced
0: it. yet. Abby Devo, so happy to have you on the show. Very, Thanks
2: for having me.
0: Very excited to have you join. Um, you have an amazing YouTube channel. That's how I found out about you. You do long form Uh, like deep dives into classic rock uh, vinyl records on your Vinyl Monday series. It's a pleasure to have you. You uh, you do a lot of research. I can certainly say that with confidence. That's
2: just like us. (laughs) It's so easy to fall down the rabbit hole with whole albums to dive into. Having the review component with the deep dive definitely helps because i can look in my notes and see how far i've gotten before i've even got to my own thoughts <laughs> and then i can pump the brakes wow.
1: is there like a kind of ratio that you look to do within your content where you say all right i want i want to have this much like observation versus inference i want to have this much opinion versus summary
2: half and half is about the sweet spot it usually gets A little closer to two-thirds the release history and then one-third my thoughts anywhere between there I'm happy with and if it's any longer than 10 pages of notes then I know I'm going to have to sit in two sessions to film one video which I have done before I've had some like costume change videos (laughs) like dark side and Layla but I just prefer not to do that
1: sure And there's a lot of hot take stuff out there anyway, and and probably less and less research as time goes on. So it's great. Great. Somebody's out there balancing
0: it out. Yeah. Between uh, this show and... Yeah. Having said that... (laughs) This is losing my opinion. I am, of course, uh, Thomas Irwin, aka Niagara Moon, highly esteemed indie musician.
1: Um, Thin Lear, aka Matt Longo, universally disliked indie musician.
0: And uh, we have uh, Abby Devo, of course, joining us today. Um, fantastic YouTube channel doing the, uh, the Vinyl Monday series. And uh, you also uh, have a blog at reallifelayla.com. Uh, super cool stuff. And uh, I thought you'd be a great fit to talk uh, some classic rock here today. I'm excited to, uh, to dig in. Of course, uh, the nature of the show is... Uh, well. Aside from under preparation, no nobody else knows what is the nature of the <laughs> well, well,, one part of it is uh, nobody else knows what to expect. Uh, we're going to have two segments right. today we're bringing in stuff that uh, nobody knows you know what's going to happen, what, what to expect, and uh, we're going to share some songs, and we're going to talk about them. And uh, I'm going to kick things off today.
1: Yeah, you texted me all excited uh-huh. earlier today saying, "Oh, I have a good one. I so have a good one. Abby, be prepared. He said this was going to be it's good.: be a fun so. One. Here we go. We're
0: talking about what I'm going to go ahead and call a good band, a nice, great, awesome band uh, called The Doors. Okay.
2: Taking the stance of Doors, good band. Doors I, is I good band.
0: Out. Yeah. I mean, Abby, you've talked in depth about uh, La Woman and, and Strange Days. You're you're a Doors fan, no?
2: I, I would consider myself a Doors fan. If we get into the Tory territory of jim morrison fan that's a little bit tougher to feel out i have lots of complicated feelings towards jim morrison but to the other three i can confidently say i am a fan and of the doors unit as a whole i'm a fan
0: you're already one step ahead of me i i was gonna talk about the doors and then jim morrison separately and, and kind of parse out my thoughts on both but uh Th- Lear, where do you sit on uh Ledores
1: are they not kind of the Red Hot Chili Peppers of their era, in (laughs) this sense that like, had they had a different frontman, like they could have been a different and potentially better band. Uh, You know, and I and I read that book. I think what is it like? No one gets out of here alive. Where he just comes off as a monster. (laughs) Oh boy. Uh, So yeah, I mean, it's it's tough, and I always like. And Abby, I'm sure, I don't know if you'd agree with this, but, like, I liked it more when I was a teenager. I think I, you know, I, I thought the poetry was, was better. <laughs> and then I got older, and now I, I identify less with whatever it is he's talking about on most of the songs, Mother, which I... yes, son, I want to kill you. Well, that one, I know what he's talking about. But some
3: of the Mother, other ones,
2: <laughs> not so much. Mother, unintelligible garbage. <laughs> I didn't really get listening to classic rock until probably age 19 going into age 20. So I'm a relatively new Doors fan in that sense. Um, I'm still feeling out Jim's poetry versus the music. They certainly go together great if you ask me. Mm. Um, But again where my I don't know if I can express the face that I'm making with words to you people who are not physically seeing this when we'll you get the audio version, but I'm kind of getting a grimace on my face,
0: <laughs> yeah. this is an entirely kind of musicological question. Uh, anything else is kind of outside my purview, you know fashion, you know being a cultural icon. Uh, you know what his actions and criminal or otherwise kind of meant at the time, and his his Jim Morrison's status as a historical figure. That's that's for somebody else to uh, decipher. But I uh, I've been familiar with the Doors music since I was a kid. I don't know if you're the same over there, Thin Lear. But,
3: yeah.
0: Uh, yeah. A lot of these songs very 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 familiar to me. I've heard them a million times. Even not just necessarily you know the big hits, the Light My Fire, the Riders on the Storm. Riders on the but, Storm. Uh,
1: they, they they capture a feeling in that song that really got under my skin when I was little. Like I remember sitting rainy in the night, sitting in the back seat of the car, driving, and it's raining, and that song would come on the radio, like classic rock radio, and it would just like disturb me in a way I couldn't put my finger on, and it still does to this day. Like that that song is is magical.
0: It's kind of become cool, I feel like, to hate on the doors. Especially Jim Morrison. Like that's become sort of like a hipster right at rite of passage at this point to be like, oh, he's actually like a total hack joke and what a mean guy, blah, 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 or just he sounds like a drunk, cowardly lion. (laughs) I can go either way. It's like I can hear, you know, several different comedians I admire have done bits about how ridiculous he is, particularly by the time you get to LA Woman. And I get it, but I'm also you know, I recently took it upon myself to revisit the Doors discography. You know, skipping some tracks here and there to to get to my favorites, but it's solid. I'm not gonna say it's not. They they did a lot of cool things lyrically and musically, arrangement, production, groove, you name it. They they had something going there for a while, no?
2: Dare I say that Jim's complexity as a person adds another fold into the Doors' music that makes it so people are either repulsed by it or, as you said, disturbed by it or drawn to it. It sort yeah. of plays on the human need to put somebody in a box mm. for safety. And with Jim, you can't really do that. And it also no. preys on sort of human morbid curiosity.
1: Yeah, that's totally right. Because even, even in this, yeah. Because the this, this songs were... Most of his vocals sound like live takes, like and, and you know what I mean when I'm saying that. Yeah. Like, it, they, and they sound that way because, like, everybody was doing that at that point. Like, you couldn't do a lot of splicing, but like with him, it sounds like he could go off the rails at any moment intentionally. Like he is unhinged, <laughs> sort of like uh, like in an Iggy Pop kind of way. And he totally, I mean, Iggy took that from him, hundred percent.
2: Iggy Pop was entirely unhinged, <laughs> Just point blank, unhinged. <laughs>
0: Yeah, we, and that's funny, we just uh, talked Raw Power last episode. but uh, yeah, it's, he's not like he has a very limited range, vocally. You know, he, he fancied himself a poet. I'm not going to assess the poetry on its own merits, but uh, I, was he doing a lot of music composition really within the band? You know, Probably not. He didn't even play an instrument. Like they needed a bassist. He wasn't the bassist. He was just the singer. But he's compelling. When it works, it works. Him plus that band, five to one. You know, it's goofy and it's 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 what it is. But it's still it it hit nicely the other day. I don't know if y'all are familiar with uh, Backdoor Man. I've been down so long. You know, he's got a great growl.
1: Abby, how do you feel about? Um, you, you did an episode about Strange Days. Is that your favorite Doors record? Is it L.A. Woman?
2: As of right now, I think my favorite Doors record is Strange Days. I like it so much because it's very much in the vein of that self-titled early Doors sound, right? By Strange Days, they definitely heard some more psych music. Sgt. Peppers came out. Everyone was freaking out over that, including the Doors. So they wanted to add more complexity to what they were doing more sonic complexity you have like wacky stuff with tape loops and playing stuff backwards to make it sound another way forwards uh they're just being more creative they're a little more comfortable in their own skin comfortable with each other um what they're doing on strange days especially with stuff like when the music's over or unhappy girl
3: it makes
2: self-titled sound like a collection of demos to me
0: there's a lot of dynamics in the that more record.
2: A fully formed idea.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Moonlight Drive, that's an all time classic. That's a melody that I believe that's him. I mean, I know he didn't write all the melodies, but that one I believe is, is him. And that's a very complicated melody. Yeah, People Are Strange is one of the best songs they ever did. It sort of like personifies that like doors mysterious thing. Uh, probably my favorite on the record. Um, Love Me Two Times, which is like not a cool one to say maybe because it's like a single but I mean it's just killer it's a killer song
0: so we all have fondness for the Doors we could play classic Doors tracks and really kind of bond over that for the rest of this segment, but I'm kind of pulling a little trick on y'all today Uh, and it's funny because this ties into uh, Matt musing if the Doors could have been a better band without Jim Morrison um, because what I want to do today with you is listen to some tracks from not one, but two oh, no. of the uh, post-Jim no, Morris no, Doors no, no, albums. No, 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 Abby's
1: no. We're not gonna, I'm so
2: excited for this.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was talking to, this is so stupid, Thomas. I was talking to my <laughs> wife, I was talking to my wife like two weeks ago about this. Because I was like, I don't know why we were talking about the Doors. We never talk about the Doors in my house, Ever. And we were just discussing it. And I was like, yeah. And then they like made two records, like, uh, it was like a posthumous rap album or something where they just like took things he said. and. Oh, we're not even doing that one. Yeah. That's an
0: American in Paris or something like You're that. You're doing they other tell- voices. We're doing other voices and we're going to do Full Circle.
2: All right. Yeah.
0: Wow. Uh, have either of you heard these albums?
2: I've heard cuts off other voices. Okay. I haven't delved in-depth to either of the non-Jim Doors albums, really. Yeah. But, hey, I know what Ray's voice sounds like. So
0: Yes, indeed. Uh, well, we're, we're going to take a little bit of a dive now. That's uh, most of what I've been listening to this past week is those two albums. Uh, not a great week. <laughs> a, little bit, uh, <laughs> a little bit lacking, shall we say. But uh, it's very interesting. It's, it's listening to other voices in full circle – really solidified my opinion that Jim Morrison had talent. Jim Morrison really brought something to the fold.
1: Uh, yeah. How, however down on him I get, I, I, don't, I don't feel that way, certainly. John Densmore, great drummer. Robbie Krieger, great
0: guitarist, great songwriter. Like so many of those classic hits are, are Krieger. Uh, or obviously Ray Manzarek, one of the most iconic keyboardists in rock history. Uh, certainly no slouch either. So you have these three talents... Even if Jim's not there, they still they've been playing together for years and years. They recorded albums, and uh, it's. I mean, I want you all to form your own opinions, but it's it's a little lame. Wow, There's some, some lame stuff. Yeah. Wow. So I kind of wanna I wanna I wanna delve into a, f- a few uh, highlights from these two albums with you, and and ponder: is there any way this could have gone better? You know, what I- exactly is the element? That they were missing, just kind of take an overall look at this stuff and uh, tr- try to ask ourselves what happened here so I without further ado we got to get into some music here I want to the thing about other voices the the first uh, post Morrison album which I think is from nineteen seventy one thereabouts uh, very rushed came out pretty pretty shortly after Jim passed and the whole thing is while they were making it. They were like, okay, Jim's in Paris. When Jim comes back from Paris, he's going to finish up these tracks with us. Like they were, they made this music under the assumption that Jim Morrison was still part of the group, and then like they ended up having to obviously like record the vocals themselves when you know what went down went down. But so I kind of I, I assess it differently than Full Circle, which is where they're like, all right, it's just us three, The Doors. What's going to happen now? But if, if that distinction makes sense uh, to you both.
1: Yeah. I've only heard American Prayer. I haven't delved into the other ones. And that one is like very strange to hear. So yeah, I'll be honest. I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't give it a shot. I didn't give him a shot.
0: All right. Well, we're going to listen to a little bit of the first track from Other Voices, which is a Ray Manzarek number called In the Eye of the Sun. I presume sung by him, uh, individual like lead vocal credits are not clear, uh, for some reason, but it's either, it's either Ray or Robbie. To me, this song, at least, and most of this album, when I heard it, is just The Doors without Jim Morrison. They're not like taking on a new identity because they didn't know they had to make one yet. Um, and they just kind of did the best with, with what they had. I don't know. There, there's aspects of this, this uh, first song that are pretty groovy, pretty cool. It's, it's going to be all downhill after this.
1: Okay, great. Good to know. was <laughs> uh, a wonderful lead-in. Abby, you can tell us who's singing the song. Because Thomas doesn't, Thomas doesn't know. <laughs>
0: i would assume it's ray if he's the the writer but who knows hey. super cool drum sound i think Ciędna. we doing so far first impressions abby what do
1: you think
2: first impression is that the instrumental is strong it's totally doors but it feels like they've taken a step back from that la woman sound a little bit like we're kind of retreating back pulling back into soft parade even though that production was famously hellish we're just (laughs) kind of stepping back into our comfort zone just a little bit. I don't know if he's trying to do the Morrison-esque growl or maybe if that's just his voice, but the vocal take, you know, besides the instrumental being strong, the vocal take to me sounds like this was a demo when Jim gets back from Paris. Uh, he'll do this.
1: They
0: didn't update the demo.
2: Yeah.
1: It, it did yeah. have that, like, I'm, I'm going to be Jim until he gets back here feel. When he, I mean, I, I laughed when he made that growl. So I was like, oh, <laughs> he's doing
2: like Came a... Came off a little Mick J to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wait, yeah. what's Mick Jagger doing on this random Doors B-side?
1: Oh, man. I did like the drums in the bit. I Like, it, it's, it's a song that, like... How many times did Morrison take a song that was kind of just like an undercooked blues number and, like, turn it into something that was kind of killer?
0: Spice it up a little bit, yeah.
1: Yeah, like, just through the cult of personality that he was. And, like, that's... Exactly what is missing? Because I think if he, if he had growled through this one, you know, backdoor man, like how, what the the changes in that song are amazing. Like what you know, it's, your a, it's a blues <laughs> it's number, a and he just pork he, and beans. his personality carries the song. It's not like yeah. it's an incredibly well written tune. Somehow it's it's it's
0: ineffable. Why you? What is it about his? Because he's so committed every time. You never hear Jim on a mic, and it's he sounds like he's thinking about something else. It's like. The guy was always locked in, or at least it uh, it came off that way.
1: Or he's fully thinking about something.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, fair enough. If you had Jim on this track, I would. This would be a song that I wouldn't just play for the show. Like I would enjoy as much as I like the Wasp.
1: Yeah, yeah you're right, Abby. That like, like, there's a massive step back because the instrumentation and the arrangements on LA Woman are like, they are really arriving somewhere at that point. Like that that's sound track? Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, they're doing like these suites and it's like uh like jazzy and dark and still them, but it's also just expanding and like sections that are I mean, really it's like prague ish There's there's sections of it that that venture into Prague. If
0: you want jazzy and you want proggy and you want expanding and, and all that, we're gonna skip on a full circle. Okay. Uh, this is nineteen seventy-two. This is the three doors that were left. Three know, doors down. One door down, <laughs> three doors left. This, this is them really trying to, to find their next thing. Uh, and you're going to hear some, some of that quality you just mentioned. You're going to hear some other surprises too. I'm going to play a song called Vertilac from Full Circle.
1: This album cover this is, is completely insane.
0: Oh, the, uh, the Full Circle album cover? <laughs>
1: totally insane. It looks like a Scientology pamphlet, which makes me excited to hear it.
0: Yeah, this is, this is not the doors waiting for Jim to get back. This is them really trying to see if they can take the next step and, and figure out their, their new sound.
3: Stand. Baby can't you see a more than just the man
0: The next sonic step forward here?
1: Uh
3: if you don't bring my favorite
1: cut. Those are
0: strong lyrics. Uh, my favorite part's coming up next. you
3: to make it necessary for me to conjure
1: up spirits. Spirits. <laughs> Is this a, Fra- they turn it to Frank Zappa? Here's the next part of the suite.
0: We got a little bongo. Most of these songs are quite long, like six minutes, seven minutes and well, then they go into jam mode here. All right, so we are—we've arrived. The new iteration of the Doors sound. What, what are our thoughts here?
2: I have this theory that every keys player secretly wants to be in a prog band.
1: It's not a bad theory yeah, at all. Yeah, not too far <laughs> off. Ray Manzarek
2: there. has entered the chat. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Again, the instrumental isn't bad, and it's interesting that they're taking a step into this almost Zappa-esque territory but the vocals just don't fit. Like it feels like this great big puzzle and everything is coming together and you need a blue piece, but you look in your hands and you only have pink.
0: Oh uh, man. Yeah. And
2: all the shapes are right, but the color is just wrong. Also, I can't get over that album art. I'm sorry. It looks like <laughs> I'm looking at the ELP trilogy cover on mescaline.
1: ELP. Yeah. There, there's some there ELP are, vibes yeah.
0: going on in here. Yeah, for you never sure. want
1: someone to say that about your work. Uh, Yeah, I agree completely with everything you just said. Yeah, I mean, it's just like Ray Manzarek, Krieger, Densmore, like these folks are some of the best musicians at their instruments of that era. So I'll say that, and then I'll say that if they sing, it kind of sounds like dudes in a weekend bar band, which is like, and I, and I, I know it sounds mean, but it's like, if I tried to play drums, it's going to sound like crap. I mean, I don't think people can just like jump into vocals and just because they can carry the tune, it's like, you can't necessarily carry the song. And of course, you're not going to be Jim Morrison, right? But you're not even going to come close to that. It's like that, um, you know, that's the issue I have sometimes with the Grateful Dead, where they just have like everybody singing. It's like wh- whoever just walks into the room and they're singing the lead vocal. Like it does sort of come off as like, it doesn't click with the, the track itself.
0: So this all could have been saved with uh, a new vocalist, you say? You surmise?
2: Maybe. Like M- we all maybe. know that. Like Ray is three band members in one, right? He's the a great key player. Basically, serves as a bassist. If you think about it, the Doors yeah. didn't really need a bassist when they had him, and only when Jim was too messed up to go on stage and do what he was supposed to do only then could he fill in and sing now that we're seeing through this studio recording do we think of him as three band members in one like he was with the classic era doors lineup or are we skating towards like two and a half
1: Mm. yeah because it could backing vocals and like lead vocals are very different.
3: Yeah.
0: If we only had more time, because uh, there, this this full circle album, there's a lot of standout moments. Shall we say, believe it or not, I showed you like probably the strongest track that the album had to, to offer, uh, mm-hmm. which is still what it was. But uh, I maybe we should end things off here with a Krieger-driven tune. You know, you're going to hear a difference in the voice and and maybe in the uh, the songwriting style too. And uh, we'll, we'll see what you think. I always thought of Robert Krieger as a great underrated guitarist. You know, tunes like Spanish Caravan. He just, he has a real way of adding in different textures of, of all kinds. And like we've uh, said, great songwriter here. But uh, this is uh, his attempt at a rockin' number, I guess. The song is called Hardwood Floor.
1: Great song title. Yeah. Uh, there are people that really, I love his playing. There are people that really don't like his playing. I think it's like, you know, I've heard the criticism. It's like um, awkward or angular or something like that. And it's like, that's, yeah, like it, it, that's kind of the point. Like it's, it's sort of at the, it dances around the margins of the tune. It's not like traditional rock lead guitar. Right. That's why it's great.
2: The Doors are a rock band for nerds. Why would you need your guitar um. player to be cool?
1: Yeah, exactly. I do like the Soft Parade, by the way. I know y'all dragged it before. The title and track yeah, the is production, good. The production is, is insane. I do I have a soft spot for it though. I
0: I can get down with the Soft Parade main tune and then like maybe one other song from there, but it sounds like they I think it was too rushed. It's like they the the album cycles were were too quick for them.
2: The and way they're too rushed with Soft Parade is hilarious because <laughs> it took over a year to get the thing out because production was moving so slow. And yet you say it still sounds rushed. I that just is. mean they, they put out, they what, like five year.
0: albums in four years or something?
1: They needed another year, a second year.
2: They just needed a that. break is what you're for, saying?
0: For the rest of the, the, the title track is, is there. You got that. Uh, the rest of it is, I don't know. You don't m- like Wishful misguided. Sinful?
2: You don't like Wishful, Wild
1: Child?
0: Wishful <laughs> I really did
2: Wild Child.
1: Yeah, I like that song too. Uh, I actually uh, like. I'm realizing I like them even more than I initially. Yeah, let it kind of creeps beginning. up on you. Yeah, <laughs> look at the albums. Like, yeah, all of these songs are great. <laughs> well,
0: then you're gonna love Hardwood Floor. I'm sure.
1: the most like a song
0: all the don't worry because they're going to repeat that lyric like 20 more times in this song
1: okay good did say it before well, all right I, I think we know where this one's going <laughs> okay. i don't think we need to hear more of that much one of that.
0: so would it surprise you that the band did break up because ray manzarek wanted to go on a uh, solo career and he released uh, two solo albums in the 1973 and 74 because otherwise, Krieger and, and Densmore were were in it for the long haul. They would have continued. But uh, that was the reason that Full Circle was the last uh, Full Doors album. Would, mm. would that shock you at all?
2: You know, I appreciate the energy of keeping the Doors project and the Doors name continuing on after Jim because a lot of groups wouldn't do that. Mm. So I appreciate the sentiment and the care for the Doors to keep that going, even if they know they... I appreciate the persistence, yes.
0: Uh, Fleetwood Mac were able to reinvent themselves. Pink Floyd... Uh, yeah, we got but a few like, examples, right? Could, could they have done that otherwise? You're
1: talking about the people that stepped into those roles were like magical individuals. Like yeah. you don't get... Like the team of Buckingham Knicks is just like, oh yeah, like let's have them be our... So, Two new band members, and they've been working together and have the chemistry. Could, and like. Could
0: they have pulled that off if it wasn't four men, Eric? I don't think so, because you can't copy Jim Morrison. He was the missing piece that they needed to make things work, and he's irreplaceable,
1: somehow. Yeah, I know, it's crazy. Like they need, they need someone else who, if they're going to continue doing original music and not have someone come in and just sound like Jim Morrison, which plenty of bands do and do it fine... Then they need someone who is as much of a cult of personality as Morrison was. Because of the moody music they make, they need someone with mystique and chops, and it 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 would have to be someone magical, like the bands that you just talked about. Like you know, it's David Gilmour. It's not a just a guitar player.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, well, Matt, do you also take back your previous statement about uh, the Doors are the, were the red hot chili peppers of their time? Yeah, and I was like just
1: it. being a baby. I, I, <laughs> I really do like the Doors. Uh, I, I like the red hot chili peppers too. I mean, they're fun. I, I, yeah, I think it's just like, I think I liked them so much when I was like 15 or whatever That's a little embarrassing, you know? <laughs> and was like so digging the lyrics and it's like a catcher in the rye thing where it's just like, aye, aye, aye. Uh, <laughs> you know. Not that I like that book, but like when people talk about something that they really latched onto in adolescence, like I I did with this band and just like with Nirvana, like I really don't listen to them and haven't since I was like 18, but I do love them.
0: Abby, any, any final thoughts on this before we uh, transition over to your segment? Are you excited to dig into uh, other voices in full circle now in earnest? Are are they going to be coming up on the Vinyl Monday series? I am
2: a little bit put off. I. (laughs) <laughs> by circle uh, other voices intrigues me all right because i didn't know about that component that production had started
3: yeah while
2: jim was still around i thought that other voices was completely post jim but now with the context of mm-hmm. full circle seeing the doors completely independent now other voices has a leather a layer of interest.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you start to slot his voice in, and be like, what would this be? Yeah. What, what could have been kind of a thing?
2: Yes, my brain is auto filling.
0: Yeah. If you want to renew and restore your appreciation for Jim Morrison, warts and all, uh, one great way to do that is to hear what it sounds like when he's not around. I guess (laughs) that's my thesis for today.
1: That's that's a good argument. Yeah, you
0: don't know what you have
2: until it's gone.
0: Exactly. Um, And with that, uh, Abby, what have you been listening to recently?
2: Listen, my opinion. So as of late, I, listening to the volume of music that I do for my channel, um, I often say that I listen to so much music that I don't have time to listen to music. Mm.
3: Ooh. But
2: one comment that I see popping up a lot is sort of ragging on the long songs of the album. Like with my Strange Days episode, I said that when the music's over is mm-hmm. better than the end. And people people have some thoughts and feelings <laughs> about that. Um, but people's thoughts and feelings about long songs in general. Maybe I was a little naive, but... Getting into talking about music on the internet, I didn't know that people don't like long ones. Yeah. So we find that the perfect pop song length is, you know, about three minutes, perfect for the traditional verse chorus, verse chorus structure. Sure. Like God only knows. Perfect pop song. Oh, length.
1: that's a such a good example of time.
2: Say a yeah. little prayer, Aretha, just yeah. under three minutes. Perfect. Um, And that precedent of, you know, two to three minutes, it still stands today. Any longer, it gets a little less accessible. Maybe people are intimidated by the length. It's less sustained focus for, like, a casual music listener. Um, Sometimes that idea, that predisposition that people have about long ones, it just isn't true. You know, like, you can't always get what you want or... For better or for worse, Bohemian Rhapsody, they need their yeah. unique structures that push yeah. them into the five, seven, nine minute length. So I'm going to step outside of pop and I'm going to stay outside of Prague for this because I realize Prague would be super easy to pull lots of long songs from. I'm going to stay outside of pop for songs that don't lose any of their punch. But they still have interesting structures, hmm. and they lose their spark if you mess with that one. I think the most famous example, while I'm pulling up my screen share nonsense, uh, is "Layla." That was a song that was ah. seven minutes long, mm. and when it was released for radio, they cut it down to, I think, the first two minutes and some odd seconds, like after Dwayne Allman solo. That was it. It was done. And that single failed when they re-released it a few years later. It that's when it took off because it was the full length. You need the full structure of the song to go the full emotional journey. Mm.
1: These songs that you're bringing up today, are they mostly like, do they mostly go, go places? Like, are we talking about like sweets and yep. like, there's a, there is that, that not just lyrical journey, obviously, but musical journey, or are we like, Because then there's also like Desolation Row or whatever, where like, it doesn't go anywhere. I still love it.
2: Yeah, I gotta say, when I talk about music, I've found that I focus more on the composition, more on the structure, than I do with the lyrics. I didn't think I was that kind of music listener, but I guess I am. Uh, We're we're gonna cut this one out of the record, if you could just throw up Sister Ann, MC5. So, I talk about this group a lot on my channel. They seem to come up a lot more than even I realize they're going to. They're a group known for the short and snappy songs, but at their best, they did a really great long one. Um, My first song, mc 5 Sister Ann. This is off their last record, High Time. Uh, They'd done long songs before, like Think Starship on Kick Out the Jams, uh, and the live set. Mainstay that they had Black to Calm uh, That could run up to About 20 minutes long but Black to Calm was mercurial It could be very good or very bad By 71 they're getting more Comfortable in the studio after Their first studio album venture Back in the USA uh, and Fred Smith comes up with This seven and change Minute song Sister Anne. So I think we're going to do Like the first minute or so sure. For this part
1: Abby, this is going to upset you, but I am only familiar with um, Kick Out the Gems. From
0: this the doesn't
2: upset me. This excites me. Because now uh, you're see the full breadth do, of what these guys can do.
0: I don't okay. even know Kick Out the Gems. I, I heard think the, of them as one thing. I've like heard the band record. name, but I know none of their songs, and I don't know why. i excited for this one, then. It's kind of like uh, Sister Ray, Sister Anne." Those are both long songs.
1: That song doesn't go anywhere, and it's incredible. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, so Sister Anne" by MC5. I am excited to check this out. Let's let's give it a go.
2: First movement of the song. Um, for those who aren't super familiar with the Kick Out the Jam record, uh, that first little bit they do that references the Rambling Rose riff. Um, so then we skip ahead to like four minutes and 25 seconds in, and they're just doing like overdub jam, jam craziness. I know she
3: can.
0: this would be good gym music that's tight yeah I can only imagine what their live shows are like goes hard
2: and then just in a pa- patience to maybe the next 20 seconds just 20 seconds ahead something really interesting starts happening oh and they brought in the salvation army band.
0: a move?
1: This is like uh, just way more ambitious than I think of them.
3: Uh, I
2: really like that. By the time Electra had given them the boot and they were sort of shuffled onto Atlantic, uh, they were getting a little more ambitious. Uh, back in the USA was their first studio record and it's, at its best you get those short snappy songs like you get Looking at You, you get High School, but it does feel a little sterile. With this album, they're pulling all of that crazy energy that they have live with the studio chops mm. and you got this. Also the right, the that's the right balance. The fact that the backing guitarist Fred Smith wrote this is also interesting because he's been playing the same riffs over and over and over for years, and he's in—he's wanting to step out of that. So we're kind of seeing him come into his own as a composer.
0: I love that song. Did he get to uh, continue recording and, and releasing stuff after MC5 had to, like, Fold Because it looks like they, they ended pretty prematurely, right? Like they were disbanded by
1: like 72. They got beat up by drugs, right? It was one of those stories? A
2: lot of stuff. But drugs definitely had a part in it. Fred did get to record some more music. Uh, he did City Slang with the Sonic Rendezvous band. Uh, and then he meets Patty Smith. And yeah. throws oh, his sweet. chops behind her work. And starts... I don't know if he produced anything, but I know they were working on a record together when he passed.
0: Well, I mean, if you play on horses, uh, that's going to be a pretty big part of your legacy, I got to bet. <laughs> yeah, that was really cool. I'd love, that was kind of Beatles-esque, right? Where you got the hard rock thing going into like a brass band, like that juxtaposition is kind of giving me the Sgt. Pepper vibe a little bit. They were, they've been on the road a long time, obviously, like they're a, a well-oiled machine, but they're, you know, f- feel more confident to do some some studio experimentation. And that's always when you get the, uh, the best stuff.
2: It's interesting you say a well-oiled machine, because this is the point where the wheels are starting to fall off. This is about when the drugs were kind of taken out Michael Davis, the bassist, mm-hmm. and he was the first to be fired. So after this moment, That we just heard. Um, It's not MC5. So much as it's MC4 plus
3: one.
2: Mm. Uh, And then. It's it's still a great group. Those later five performances. I think on beat club. uh, In Germany in 72. That was great. But not long after that. uh, Rob Tyner leaves. And that's just a huge. Mm. He was a huge component in what made the MC5 special. He was a great front man. If you ask me, the most underrated frontman of the sixties. So then you get MC3 oh. plus one plus one, and then the drummer leaves and it's just Fred and Wayne. And yeah.
0: They should have teamed up with the, uh, the doors. Sure.
2: <laughs> Can you imagine? Sure. The five would have eaten the doors alive, man.
0: It's
1: a match made in hell. Rayman Sarek's like,
0: there's not enough jazz chords in this. Uh. song." <laughs>
1: I liked how ambitious that one was. It it made me think of, you know, and this is unfair because I always put these two bands together in my head, obviously, but them and the Stooges, it made me think of, you know, when the Stooges like sometimes fill out the record with like a long song just to fill it out sometimes. And sometimes it works. Something like that. Yeah. Like sometimes it's good. And sometimes it's like, they're just trying to fill out a side. That was not filling out a side. Like that every section had purpose and flowed one into the other and was obviously very well thought out and arranged and yeah i really like that song
0: i'm ready to hear more who uh who's got these issues with these long songs why are are people so impatient
2: i i've heard that long songs can read as self-indulgent and with some of them i totally get it and then there's always the argument of this is great but could we have just taken off that minute at the end? Right.
0: Just kept Um, the good bits or whatever.
2: Yeah. And I, I can't say I always agree with that. This one leaves with the question of, can I swear on this show? Because this song has swear in the title.
3: Go for it. Yeah. All right.
2: This is the shortest iteration of this song that I've picked. Um, Okay. Again, like Black to Calm by MC5, when this band played this live, it could go up about 45 minutes long. This was, you know, what they closed all the shows with during this period in their career. Uh, And this was my first long one. My dad introduced this record to me when I raided his CD cabinet when I was like 11. um, Silver Fuck by Smashing Pumpkins.
1: I've never actually sat through this song. Like, I know of this song, but I've, I've not made it through the whole shebang. Not because I don't like it, but just because it's, yeah. Yeah, I guess my attention span for a 45-minute
0: tune.
2: It's not a 45-minute jam. On the record, it's about eight minutes long, I yeah, think. Yeah, eight, almost <laughs>
0: nine, yeah. All right. Oh, from Siamese uh, Dream there. I know that album.
2: Yeah, that was, Siamese Dream is the record that's been in my life the longest and the most consistently. So if we can start at like a minute and seven seconds in, I know that's really oddly specific.
0: All right. We're going to listen to some of silver F asterisk asterisk K. Here we go.
1: You got a cool dad. (laughs)
3: This
0: band had a pretty good drummer, huh?
2: Yeah. Worst mistake Smash and Pumpkins ever made was firing the
0: He That dude went through a lot. Yeah. yeah. He was probably pretty hard to work with sometimes. Oh!
2: of this once it burns out, but let's take it to like six minutes and 14 seconds in. All right. I, I know there's this like 90s song cliche of loud, soft, loud, but this one actually did it really Yeah, if it, it
0: works, works, it works. Yeah, I think Beethoven used that trick too.
2: Imagine you're 12 and you're hearing this for the first time. entering
3: first psych
0: freak out. out now. this does have a 60s psychedelic feel to it. the sonics are a little different but it's jim morrison coming in
3: going kill <laughs> kill
1: yeah, that song is awesome. I actually, um,
0: if you're gonna do it If you're gonna go hard You gotta go all the
1: way I think Yeah they, uh, No that sounds amazing They in their stripes I was I was
2: Sorry One of things I consider Smashing Pumpkins My first Psych fan Because hmm. you think of a record Like Siamese Dream And especially Gish Like hello They're doing the Jimi Hendrix experience Shot on the cover In the early 90s Sure But when they were in, you know, being Smashing Pumpkins in the late 80s, when they yeah. were covering the Velvet Underground on radio shows, that's when you really see those 60s roots in the Smashing Pumpkins sound.
1: I confused this song with that. I think it's on Melancholy. It's like Porcelina something. Porcelina the Vast, the vast Yeah, I, I was confusing it with that one, which I don't like as much as this song, which is incredible.
2: I almost went with XYU for this one. That one is a ripper.
0: What's the the opening song on uh, Siamese Dream, uh, Cherub Rock? That that one is, that's a good speaker tester,
1: that tune. (laughs) Okay, so very different eras here, Abby. Very different eras.
0: But similar levels of intensity, I would say.
1: Yeah. Brass
0: band and all. So say if you were in the position of uh, the MC5 or Smashing Pumpkins, when do you make the call to have that song or whatever song go on that long? Like what, what, what's like, what pieces fit for you to go, Oh, we're going to earn this. Like, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to really take our time on this one. Take up a, you know, a, f- a few songs, uh, length worth of, uh, you know, CD space or whatever.
2: In the fives case, it's a way to show your chops. It's a way to say sort of, we cut our teeth on, an impossible music scene, Detroit in the 60s, and then we went to Europe for a time, and this is what we've smashed together from that. This is how we've grown. When you're the smashing pumpkins, on the other hand, uh, in grunge music, you don't really get to do the psych freak-out thing. And this is a way of sort of honoring their early influences. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: In the context of the 90s grunge stuff you know loud soft loud maybe a number like mayonnaise which is an incredible like weirdest guitar tuning ever but totally pays off
0: so it's you get to everybody gets their chance if they want to freak out and it's like how are you going to do that and if you decide to do that you know make the most of that
1: that's the title of the episode right there everybody gets their chance to freak out
2: i love that
1: You saved
0: me some work this week, then, Larry.
2: <laughs> sort of throws in that Frank Zappa line from earlier, too. Um, and for the last song, I have another long one that honors some unlikely influences from a group of guys that absolutely got to freak out. Um, listen, Prague gets pretentious and Prague gets cerebral. Prague prog should be pretentious no, and cerebral. Never. What? No. But. No other genre does a long one quite like it. You have, like, ELP, Hut, and Curse of Baba Yaga, which I love. Um, anything King Crimson did. Yeah. But my personal favorite is islands. Um, but I'm going to stay outside the confines of Prague. All
3: right. But
2: where would we have Prague without jazz? And I'm going to pull up an unlikely jazz number with Blind Faith, Do What You Like.
1: Oh okay. Wow, it's been so long since I heard this song. I I yeah.
2: Well, spoiler yeah, alert, this, this is, is a jazz song. It was written by Ginger Baker, who yeah. listened to a lot of African drum music and a lot of jazz. Do what
1: you watch
0: Yeah, like does Ginger Baker <laughs> even think of himself as a rock guy?
1: No, he would he would smack you with his yeah. cane if you said that. Ginger Baker was terrifying.
2: <laughs> unhinged man. Yeah,
1: yeah, talk about unhinged,
0: Jeez Louise. A little, a little crabby, from what I've gathered. Yeah, a
1: little bit.
2: I mean, hello. The documentary, he punched a crew member in the face and broke his nose.
1: <laughs> Bro. Bro. I've only heard him speak kindly about Eric Clapton and um, Charlie Watts. And even when he was talking kindly about Charlie Watts, he talked shit about the Stones.
0: And he said John Bonham was a hack or something.
1: <laughs> wow. Uh,
0: Well, I'm excited to check out Do What You Like. Uh, Got a cool running time here of 15 minutes, 18 seconds.
2: (laughs) (laughs) All right. We're just, let's do like the first 30 seconds to establish that core motif. All right. Of where we're going from.
0: Yeah, this is jazzy.
3: Yes, but
2: we're in 5 4 time. Yeah, I can tell they were spinning some take 5 while riding Get to like two minutes and 45 seconds where we have the solos. The right. solos are a big chunk of this. We have Winwood's right here, and he's about to drop out to let Clapton play.
0: What is that keyboard sound? they stay in 5-4 the whole time?
2: We'll, we'll get to where it kind of pushes out of it.
1: This is like one of the best one album bands
2: The one ever. album wonder, really.
1: Yeah. There's not too many comparisons, they're just like classic one album.
2: I think the, the other one I can think of is Derek and the Dominos, also <laughs> sure. an Eric Clapton project. Sure. Wow. Because I do. If we get to like six minutes and forty-five seconds to catch a little bit of Rick solo, right. and then we get that chant in there. Do what you yeah, like. I
0: was noticing that earlier.
2: That's a good touch. Kind of like how a Love Supreme uses the chant in mm-hmm. part one of a Love Supreme. Thank you.
1: Crazy cadence.
2: And then let's get us to like 11 minutes and 45 seconds because then we kind of push out of this time signature. All right. And it's, it's Ginger Baker. He's going to push us out of 5-4.
0: It's hard to imagine this was performed like this. This sounds like sequenced to me. It's but ridiculous. Quick-
2: I really wish I knew who was doing that wacky tape loop stuff at the end. They sort of Mm. do the da-da, but it plays at the wrong parts, then they have to rewind it and play it again. I wish I knew who did that.
1: Those are three great choices that had some commonalities with very different sounds. Maybe you changed some hearts and minds today, Abby.
2: I hope so. Listening to Blind Faith after a while... Like I played that record a lot in college and then came back to it. My first listen back after that sort of duh, duh, and then rewinds and it it again, I was just sort of staring at myself in the mirror. So I get a lot of my listening and while I'm doing my makeup and my hair and I just asked myself, what the fuck did I just listen to? <laughs> um. So I feel like if more people looked like, looked at do what you like like they do with jazz, they might have a little more patience with it. Because you expect jazz music to be structured that way, not so much a blues group. And you can't cut that off anywhere. Yes, even the tape loop snafu, if that song gets cut off anywhere, it doesn't have the proper resolution.
1: The last two songs you played, uh, they really breathe. Those tunes really breathe. The first song, though, I can't remember the name of it. What was the MC5 song? Sister, of course, right. How do I forget that? That one, I wouldn't even I wouldn't necessarily call it jammy. Like it it was very structured. It was loose, but it was uh orchestrated with care. Uh that one I I loved all three. I love all three songs. The first one I, I really need to go back and listen to that band because I think I wrote them off as like a, a truly great like live act and like kick-ass kind of sound. That's a different thing right there.
2: Yeah. And when we listened to Sister Anne, we, since we only have so much time, we had to completely skip over that middle part where they're doing like three overdubbed guitar solos oh, and boy. at least one harmonica solo, if not another track on top of that. It's truly bonkers.
1: You got to have multiple harmonica solos. I mean, I agree. You, just, you need it. A... Thomas, what did you learn today from, t- from, from these segments? <sighs>
0: I learned I gotta I gotta finally check out the MC Five. I don't know why I've been dragging my feet mm. uh, all these years. No no particular reason for it. I I like Stooges. If there's anything to do with with that band, I mean, I'm I'm ready to dig into some some edgy rebellious uh, late '60s rock. It's been a little while. Uh, you can only re-listen to the Doors uh, so much. <laughs> but yeah, what, what did uh, what did you learn today, Finley?
1: Uh, pretty much the same, but a little different in the sense that like. I like the MC five, but yeah, I, I thought of them as one one thing, one kind of entity, and I was wrong. Like I need to I need to re-examine them. Abby, what did you learn? <laughs> did you learn anything from today? You don't have to have a takeaway. We just we like to end with takeaways.
2: I learned that I'm not often totally put off or I don't often feel standoffish towards music, but full circle had me feeling Whoa. some kind of way. I did not know what to make of that.
0: Your ears are working.
2: <laughs> but the gears are turning. I don't know what my fully formed opinion is. I Dare I say, I'm stumped.
0: Yeah. Well, be careful if you do... Uh, check out the whole thing because um, really the most ridiculous kind of standout moment was in the Peking King and the New York Queen, but I didn't feel comfortable sharing that on the show. So,
1: oh boy, Just a warning yeah, on let's it. not listen to that one on air.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, it was an absolute treat having you on the show today. Anything you want to uh, tell the folks at home?
2: Well, thank you so much for having me on. Um, yeah, check out Vinyl Monday. I post new episodes of that. As you would guess, every Monday, we're coming on the mid-season special. Big things coming up on the show for the rest of March, April, and I have big plans for May. Keep an eye on that announcement. Also, follow me on Instagram. My Instagram is a lot of fun, and I get to be me outside of the Vinyl Monday format. You also get the short episodes there because I realize not everyone has 20 minutes to hear me shout about things. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, very very much not like this show where it's almost a full hour of us oh boy. whining about this and that. No, it's uh, definitely recommend.
0: If you got 20 minutes to spare, you could really do well to spend it learning about you know your your favorite album from classic rock history. You're probably going to learn something new about it you didn't know before. Very cool, entertaining stuff. And hey, you know, subscribe uh, to her channel, certainly, but you can also subscribe to Losing My Opinion on your podcast platform of choice. You can also leave us a nice little rating or review. Uh, you can follow Losing My Opinion on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok. And, uh, you know, fuck it. I, I said that you can work out to, uh, <laughs> to my sweet lord. And apparently, people are telling me I could be wrong now
1: but I don't think so. Oh, I, th- I think you're wrong on that one. Randy, Randy Newman can't save you there. You're better off working out at Randy Newman, to be honest.
2: <laughs> you can leave your hat on. <laughs> Randy Newman workout playlist. That the, Randy Newman. Really cursed. <laughs> no.
1: the Randy Newman workout playlist. That could be the name of the episode too. No, that's that's another episode I'm saying. That's a whole <laughs> different episode. <laughs> Abby, thank you for doing this. And uh, I'll say uh, so long, suckers. And we'll see you next week. <laughs> Yeah